You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. We are supported by listeners like you. Donate per month or make a one-time donation through PayPal or Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. Right. So here's what I want to do. And I so I want to turn on the recorder. Uh, and you will edit this out in case I go offline, right? Uh, what do you mean? Off track, I mean. Uh, I mean, it's a free-flowing conversation, but yeah, like, I, so what I want to do is I want to record this. And I want I, it short, though, because a lot of people don't have, you know, so patience I, a lot of time. And I want to, and I want to just basically start and just say, you know, what's going on with you, and you can share with the audience whatever you want to share about what your, you know, the, the illness but then, okay. but then, so because I think we need a starting point as to why you're getting into the medical system, and then you just start walking us through in a, in a in like a linear chronological fashion of well, then this happened, and then this happened, and then these people did this thing, and then and then it just kind of builds to where we're at now, and just the cost and the outrageous cost that you're experiencing, and just kind of saying what you want to say. Uh, you know, again, not making it about the illness, but making it about people being ripped off and and you saying what you want to say. So if you're okay with that, then I'd like to do that. I, but I obviously don't want you to, you know, do put out anything you don't want to put out. So hey, it's all public documentation by now. So all right. <laughs> so are you on a speakerphone? Yes, I am. All right. Would you mind going off the speakerphone? Uh, okay. Let's see. Okay, does that make a difference? It makes a huge difference. Okay. Okay, are you comfortable with me live streaming this to the group? Uh, what group? The the small paid group that where they watch the live streams of the shows. I can Oh, pr- so they're going to get me screaming and yelling too? Yep. I can oh. I can uh I can just record it and post it later if if that's all right that with you. That would be that would make me feel better. Okay. We'll because do that. Sometimes then. I do go offline and even Mikey says, "Just calm down, you know, just calm down." Because I get so frustrated that I don't get answers quickly. From, <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> and see, that's why he can't be here, because he just, well, he's not handling this well, number one. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know how to react, because, you know, when, you, when you're this ill and you don't know one minute to the next if you're going to be walking all right or not, you know, it's it's kind of takes somebody who lives with you by surprise. It, it didn't me, because I've been you doing that with Dad and him for years, but somebody who hadn't done it before you know kind of throws you so i have to sort of watch what i'm doing around him too especially with his heart condition so right anyway all right so here we go okay all right welcome to we are libertarians i'm your host chris spangle we are libertarians brings you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves and we explain to you what is happening in our world today and how we can fix it by thinking differently Essentially, we make you sound smarter when you talk with your friends, so please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe at Patreon at WeAreLibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and freebies. 
We're always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com. And if you're new to the program, we catch up for the first few minutes and then deep dive into analyzing current events in society from a libertarian perspective. This show is for adults by semi-adults, so please be warned the language is strong and offensive. Now, that last paragraph does not apply to this show because... Uh, we, we have a series called The Cost here on We Are Libertarians, and it is where people come on and they tell their personal stories. This is the ninth uh, edition of that. And the, per the point of The Cost is where we talk about the human toll of public policy. And public policy and every law that is passed at every level of government has a specific impact on a person's life. And what we try to do is give you an insight into how that public policy is affecting a person. Uh, and helping you understand that every time government passes a law, what is what is the impact for people? So, you know, we've talked to uh, victims of domestic violence. We've talked to people who want to heal their daughter with CBD oil, but they can't because of laws. We've talked to people who have been to prison. We've talked to people who have had their business shut down because of regulations. And today we're going to talk to one of my dearest friends in life. Her name is Phyllis Klosinski, and Phyllis is... Uh, a very important friend to both uh, myself and this program, meaning you. Phyllis is uh, someone who sent me a $200 check in 2013. And uh, that was the first time that I thought, wow, there's people beyond me who are interested in this and see value in this. And maybe I could turn this into a business someday and do this full time. And... Uh, for about the last 10 years, Phyllis has been giving me private coaching sessions, uh, uh, trying to build me into a an upstanding, fine young man. And Phyllis, I want to thank you for everything that you've done for me because you've been such an impactful friend and have always been there in, in tough moments in my life and giving me encouragement. And I can't tell you how much that has meant to me, Phyllis. Well, it's pretty easy to t do that when someone has the... Uh intuition and the drive that you do and has always been completely honest that's the only thing i require from someone is honesty and you've shown that and and kept your word all along and whenever you trade straight off the track i've kind of given you a little push a little bit and <laughs> appreciate you thinking about it and and responding to me in a very gentlemanly like manner so it works both ways now phyllis is uh not a stranger to this podcast feed uh, phyllis gave us a look into i i, I met her when I Phyllis, we met when you were uh, when I had you were dipping your toe into the Libertarian Party, and we did a podcast with you. Um, yes, you did uh, years ago. Years ago, it's so it's you'd have to go back to like 2012 in the podcast feed to find my my Libertarian Party of Indiana interview with Phyllis about her fight with the Sweetwater uh, District, where they basically tried to. I mean, give us a give us a small sample of what happened, so people can go back and hear that whole story. And it's basically another edition of the cost, but you'd have to go back and listen to the whole story. But essentially, give us a summation of what happened with you versus your local government. Okay, uh, they can also look it up at, uh, on the Indiana government website in the Indiana Supreme Court because it went all the way up to there. Uh, we went pro se and filed against the Conservancy District for authority outside the statutory confines of the code. Uh, what they are is they're supposed to be a conservancy district that supplies specific purposes and taxes for that. Instead, they're using taxes for anything and everything, and they're controlling land use, property rights, and uh, everything as a homeowners association when they had no authority. 
Well, I went through the tax court to appeal it because the taxes then are assessed based on what they're charging you for and using it. We went through the tax court, and it was denied, saying that they could tax for whatever they wanted. We appealed to the Indiana Supreme Court and all of those records and, and uh, briefs are on file. And the Indiana Supreme Court, Shepard, sent us back a letter saying that we would be heard. We waited and waited, and three months later, they sent us another letter saying they changed their mind. Well, in tracking down what had happened, I went back to the um, Indiana Attorney General who was handling the case, and he said, we don't want taxes decided at the state level. It needs to be decided at the local level. So that's where it ended, at the Supreme Court denying to hear a right of a person to appeal an illegal tax based on a code that exists that says the unit can't do this. Now, we're having the same thing with the taxes on the roads. If you go to the road tax bill, the taxes on the roads are specified. There's five or six different taxes in there. They're supposed to go to roads, except they're being diverted to everything else, and that's been through the legislature this last session, which was discussed in the paper and everything else, so it hasn't been settled anywhere. The point is, once they collect your money, it's gone. They can use it for whatever they want. And, obviously, if you're appealing to the government, they're not going to say, oh, well, they're doing it wrong, so we've got to stop it. But, anyway, that's the story of Sweetwater, and it's still the same. The people here control everything, and unless you want to live here under their hand, you know, you just leave. Those that do, they seem to want to control more and more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you you go back and listen to that episode. It's the full story. Uh, I may re-edit and resurrect that if, uh, if I get some time, but... Very interesting interview and uh, a profile in a one person finding the government with their, their own mind. And Phyllis has basically become a constitutional lawyer because of it and has <laughs> always always been. And, and she writes for WeAreLibertarians.com, so you can go and look up a lot of uh, her writings on various constitutional subjects. Uh, very smart, very smart person. And uh, thank you for being a contributor. Well, you're welcome. Now... We're not. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about uh, your your situation in the uh, fighting the medical system, essentially. So you went from fighting a local taxing authority to now fighting. You know, your. Uh, I'll, I'll let you share as much as you'd like to share, and kind of start us on how we got started down the medical path. So, please share with the audience as much as you're comfortable sharing. Okay. Well, it started about two months ago. I wasn't feeling well. Uh, we'd been outside working on uh, removing the mold from the side of the house because it needed uh, resealing in the deck and all that. And a couple of days, I, I started feeling kind of bad. Uh, couldn't sleep, was having a chills and, and, and fever off and on. And about three days into it, I woke up about 4 o'clock in the morning and decided, you know, this isn't right. I need some attention can't go to the doctor, obviously, at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I went to the emergency room where I was checked in and held there because it wasn't the outside of the work that was causing the problem. They decided that there was something more serious. So the ER uh, physician, Dr. Qualls, started calling some experts that he knew about uh, blood issues because uh, there was something that they found in the blood and they ended up with a, a Dr. Eberwine who is an expert in blood disease and his initial diagnosis during that ER visit was that he believed that I had something called Waldstrom's macrobelia which is a 
situation where the blood produces different levels of um, the things that cause your blood to be anemic or not. And there's large ones and small ones. If anybody wants to know what the long thing is, it's about 20 pages. You can look it up. So I'm not going to go into that. But it's basically something that you can't control. It it changes within your physics, and, and there's there's no reason that they can uh, find for it. It's not environmental. They don't think that it's hereditary. It just happens. And fortunately or unfortunately, there are very few of us in the world who have this. So I was diagnosed that first visit to the ER, and Dr. Eberwein then put me in the hospital. Now, when you go to the hospital, it's called Medicare Part A. I went in under, not, under just going to the emergency room. We figured we'd pay because when we were working, we had what was called a high-deductible medical plan, which was $16,000 before they paid anything, and our employer, Sodrell, could only afford that, and that was because of the Affordable Care Act when they changed everything. All the requirements and what the policies had to be, the insurance and all that came down through the employers. And I don't blame the employers. They had no choice. It would be the same thing that I would make if they hit me with such an increase. Anyway, we were used to high deductible, so we had a health savings account. We figured we'd pay anything out of pocket, like going to the emergency room or the doctors or anything else, which was fine with us. But then we had already signed up for Medicare because we're at that age to where we could retire. And we took A only because we had the health savings account. We're used to paying our own way on the um, non-emergency thing. Now, can I can I, a, can I can I ask you to explain for us non-baby boomers, like what what are the choices that you have to choose from when you say you choose A? What are the mm-hmm. other choices? Well, you can take A, which is supposed to be in hospital coverage. Or you can take A and B, which is in-hospital coverage and out-of-hospital coverage, but each one has qualifications. And then you can take A, B, and C or D. All this is in your Medicare book if anybody wants to look it up or go to Medicare.com and look it up, which are all supplemental plans which you can choose. But be aware that each time you add something, now A is free, (coughs) excuse me, because you paid Social Security for 50 years, but it's called free. B, you have to pay every month depending upon how much you receive. Um, and I think our premium was going to be something like, I don't remember, $150 a month or something. But then C and D and all these supplements are issued through subsidiary insurance companies that deal through Medicare. Now, they're allowed to charge you whatever they want, and then you pay that supposedly to pick up the differences that A, B, don't pay but you're paying for that premium and the first thing you need to realize is that you must have a and b in order to even sign up for any of these supplements then they charge you the premium the insurance company then they have the deductible but the qualification is any of these plans will not pay you anything unless it is a medicare approved expense so if they say well we're not going to pay for this then your supplements aren't going to pay for anything and that's the way the system works. Okay, so you that's simple enough, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, and so you choose A. We choose A because you know there was no need. We figured 
since we'd had that lifestyle before, that that was fine. So because, we went into the hospital, because, like I said, fully and, expecting. And, l- and let Go me, ahead. just to give people an understanding of your situation, you've always been a small business owner. Your husband is a truck driver, which is, you know, can be quasi self-employed as well. And so you guys are, you know, y- he works for a corporation now, but you guys right. do have have spent a lot of your life, you know, self-employed and uh, independent. Is that a fair assessment? Well, he's never been self-employed. He's always worked for somebody. But, okay. yeah, I am an in, I was an independent uh, business owner, uh, sculptor, and I, I just finally closed that because I didn't have the time, and I still will do uh, commissions for anybody free of charge because I love to do my work. But, no, I, it was just filling out the paperwork for the state, Chris, <clears throat> As yeah. a private business owner, and of course, uh, back then we also had to pay inventory taxes, which you don't have to do because you don't have any inventory. But <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, it, it it was it was interesting, and you know, I made some money along the way, and I made a lot of friends, and I created a lot of art that I appreciated. But uh, it was time to let it go because I was tired of all the paperwork. Right. So so now so I'm independent. Yeah. But so now you've chosen part A and uh right. and then you start diving into the system here. Right. So I was admitted to the emergency room with um edema, which is swelling, insomnia, low blood pressure. And the attending physician uh contacted the oncology physician and described the symptoms and after the consult the physician admitted me to the inpatient status, which should be covered under A. And all this time, the hospital will send you representatives, which you have to sign paperwork saying you're being admitted to the hospital under Medicare, and they take your card and copy it and your driver's license to prove that you're not an illegal alien or a terrorist, is what I was told. And you have to sign that you're not a terrorist. Like I'm gonna lie. <laughs> well, according. <laughs> I, I mean, some of the questions are really ridiculous. You get asked all kind of ridiculous questions about your history and everything else to make sure that you are who you say you are when you use your Medicare card. Okay. So once the hospital gets all this information, uh, they give you a form that says you understand you're being admitted under A. However, if Medicare doesn't pay, you, the patient, will be totally responsible. Well. Needless to say, most people who are in an emergency situation may not read through the whole thing or understand what it means. I I fully understand that because uh, I went with my dad, and he always said, let her take care of it. She knows all about that stuff. Well, you have to sign it anyway. But they're not going to turn you away for treatment if you don't, is the point. Right. But But as you know, I was always a responsible person, and I figured, well, I better find out what's going on because I was really feeling bad. Of course, I signed the papers. And we went then to being admitted to the hospital. I was put in a, a private room. Uh, apparently, Dr. Everwine was afraid at that point also of infection because it lowers your immune system, what I have. And um, tests were then run at the direction of Dr. Everwine to find out exactly what the issue was. Because when I was first admitted, he suspected, but he had to prove in order to find a treatment what was wrong. All the tests that were run and the four days that I spent in the hospital, and I received two transfusions at this point, uh, blood transfusions, none of it was covered by Medicare A when the bill came in four weeks after I was discharged because the hospital had assured me I contacted them and they have separate 
agencies and departments at Johnson County Memorial, and there is a department which goes through what you're being charged on a daily basis and says, yes, Medicare will cover it. We were assured by the hospital that Medicare A would cover all of the inpatient services, including all these tests. I received numerous scans, blood tests, uh, MRIs, um, a tap, uh, bone marrow tap, and it was an extensive visit, which I never received the entire bill for that went to the hospital and Medicare. What happened was Medicare said, because I was not diagnosed with this life-ending disease, before I was admitted to the hospital, there would be no coverage. <laughs> and their coverage then says, we, you are not covered because you didn't have Medicare B when you were admitted. We never said we had Medicare B. The hospital never said we had Medicare B. Never, Medicare B was never even entered into the file as being something we wanted to claim. So what amounts to uh, the hospital then negotiated with us a settlement, and they're appealing on their behalf to find out if they can get Medicare to pay the hospital some more. But the point being is, if you go to the hospital and you're one of these people who think Medicare is going to cover you, you need to be aware that it will not. There are exclusions even under Medicare A in the book. And what it says was Medicare-approved services. Now, that means they have the total control over what is approved. It doesn't matter what your doctor says. It doesn't matter what's necessary to save your life. The government will say what it will pay for. And that's the total of my story. I mean, it, it just needs people to understand that they will be financially responsible if the government doesn't pay. And if the government doesn't pay, depends upon the government, not you or your doctor. That's why the Affordable Care Act needs to be taken out and something needs to be done. Now, Representative has been contacted and he's been asked to contact the White House to see if there's something in the Affordable Care Act that can be negated because of executive order. Because don't forget, the Affordable Care Act wasn't enacted legally by the Congress in totality. There was a lot of executive orders that went into this. And the primary objection was to give the power to the government over your medical use and your body. They can decide who can get what services. That's like saying you can't decide your right to life. That's like taking this medical cannabis away, which I objected to. They don't have a right to do that. Besides that, cannabis grows alongside the road. My grandfather used to feed it to the pigs, and they enjoyed it. I mean, come on, people. It's a plant. Right. Uh, so you've got the government taking away your right to life under the Affordable Care Act. Now, I know many of you probably don't appreciate what President Trump is doing in the executive orders, but in the majority of them that I have read, he has had that authority because in the first place, what was enacted was illegal. And the illegal act doesn't exist. Someone who removes it isn't doing anything illegal. Yeah, they're just telling the agency, this is illegal, you can't follow it. Now, several of them I do have objection with, which we won't go into here, but for the majority, I think he's doing a fair job for the individual. But we need to contact the White House. We need to contact your representatives and push this Affordable Care Act being 
like I don't know how you could feel something that was illegal in the first place. Dismantled, <laughs> dismantled via executive order. And there's a great book called America's Bitter Pill that kind of outlines the way that everything was passed in a very. Um, uh, and you, I don't know if you've read America's Bitter Pill. I've looked through it. I haven't read all of it, and it's just very thorough in how all of this was passed. And uh, and the shady way that the the Affordable Care Act was passed, Obamacare. Oh, you don't need to read a book to find it. All you had to do was read the bill, and I did. Well, I didn't read all twenty eight hundred pages, but I scanned through the parts that have the government control. That's usually the first twenty hundred. Let's see, two hundred pages have the government control, and then we went into uh, the personal control, um, how they could detain you without warrant, and all that stuff. I didn't go into the financing because there's no point. I mean, they're going to finance it anyway. But, no, it's all in there, and it's simple logic. Once you read the pages that you need to uh, target, it's simple. Nobody has to tell you anything, Chris. You're smart enough to read that, too. It's, that's why I don't waste my time reading history. I just read what's current because that's what, that's what applies and what we have to take out. Yeah, Phyllis loves to read bills. <laughs> she, and uh, <laughs> Well, not really because you've got to get your mind around a certain way that they – draft these things but once you've got that down it's okay yeah it's like reading shakespeare if you if you know <laughs> if you learn start to like get the shakespearean language then once you get that down you can read any shakespeare and you really appreciate how brilliant he is the way that they write bills is sort of the same way that once you kind of understand the way that they write bills then you can start to pull the uh the, the good and bad out of out of things so um, That's it exactly, and yeah. it's totally unnecessary. It's supposed to be written in a language where every man. And by the way, this is in the Indiana Constitution and in the hierarchy of law. Every man can read a law and defend himself. I guarantee you, that's a problem with most people. Oh yeah, they, be, because it's it, we have a an industry now around politics and and government and yeah, it's called lawyers. Yeah, and it, it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be that way. But let's be honest no, if you look if you look at the founders, they were all lawyers. So, right. <laughs> so well, yeah, but I don't think they would even appreciate this. I mean, uh, they wanted things to be simple. That's exactly why they drafted the Constitution in simple language. It wasn't right. supposed to be convoluted the way it is today. It's simple language. Well, it's like the Second Amendment. It's you get guns and you get whatever guns you want to fight the government with, and that's it. That's just it's that easy to understand, and it's and people, especially the left, try to complicate it and pull things and over overdo it with language and rules and bump stocks and all this. But but at the end of the day, it's it's about protecting your family, your community, and your liberty. At the end of the day, it was protecting your life, is what it is. Without a gun, when the founders wrote it, you'd be dead. I mean, you've got hostile neighbors sometimes mostly it's wildlife that's going to come and get you but they never intended to take away our right to life obviously right now, obviously we don't have bears at the door anymore unless it's bill collectors but in any case you never know when your life is going to be threatened which is why this constitutional carry in indiana again that's another bill that really has me going because when you leave your house to go anywhere in indiana or the world your life goes with you Without your right to protect that life, the government is removing your right, which they can't do, which they have done. So the handgun laws in Indiana are totally unconstitutional, have been all along, and a number of representatives recognize that, but we can't get it to budge because people are saying, well, people will shoot themselves with their own guns. 
I beg your pardon, anybody who buys a gun is going to buy it knowing how to use it or finding out how to use it. Some who's going to be afraid of it aren't going to do it. And besides that, if you need to protect your life, what right is it of anybody else to decide you need to have training or you're going to shoot yourself? As far as I'm concerned, if I take a shovel to somebody, I can defend my life. It doesn't matter what weapon I use. And whether it's a gun, a shovel, a rake, whatever, it's nobody's business, let alone somebody else like my neighbor. Well, it, but you it, can't get that through their head. They think you're going to hurt yourself if you have something else. Right. It's a, it's about protecting other people when the, the point of a politician is to protect the individual and protect the government from invading and intruding on our ability to govern ourselves. Right. Just live is the only thing that we're need, we need protection for. I mean, we we have a governing ourselves. We have a, a, a an original system set up of self government, and we are as libertarians to protect that that concept of self government. That's why I used to work for the Advocates for Self Government, and uh, we we've sort of lost that where it's for the children, and we need to protect this this class and that class and. And in reality, in if if we protect ourselves from the government invading into those in in uh, in those misadventures like Medicare Part A, where you're going to the hospital trying to protect your life, and the government is there to quote unquote help, and then they say, yeah, but we're not going to help you <laughs> because of bureaucracy and and economics, and we don't want to pay for this. So even though you've paid all this money into the system to get this and we promised we would help you, we're sorry we're not going to help you. Go go uh, take care of yourself. Uh, right. And, and that's, that's the misadventure. I'm not a libertarian because I'm selfish and I just want to do whatever I want to do. I'm a libertarian because all of these big government programs don't work. It's And, and that's the thing that we find in this entire series is that – None of these none of these big programs that are designed to protect people and putting our faith in government to protect us and take care of us, it, it, it's a failing system in the criminal justice system, in DCS, in the police, in Medicare Part A and D and B and all this stuff. Like, it, none of it works, and that that's the reason that I'm a, a libertarian. It's not that I want to hurt people and get rich and be a selfish asshole. I mean, it, it really is that it just doesn't work. And the the original system of this uh, government, the founding documents, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration, those, those ideals uh, that embody self-government, those work. And that's as close in human history as we've gotten to a libertarian government and we've perverted it into what we have now, and it just doesn't work. And and it actually hurts people and harms people and robs them of their life, person, and property, and their pursuit of happiness. And I just uh, I, I I feel for you, and and I'm sorry that you know in this tough time, not only do you have to deal with you know. Um, mortal prospects but also the economic hardship uh, hardship hardship of it and i mean you go in thinking that you're going to be covered and then you get these bills that aren't covered and can you kind of talk about 
the discrepancy. So once you start actually negotiating prices with the hospital, uh, you were telling me some of the numbers and the difference between what Medicare gets charged, meaning what all of us taxpayers get charged, versus what they're actually going to charge you when you negotiate with them is stunning. I mean, oh, that's it, substantially different. Yeah, it's yeah, theft. So if you go into the hospital and, and you negotiate with them, uh, you can do what we did, go on self-pay, and they will negotiate, in our case, uh, they took off of the bills that we paid uh, 35% for self-pay, and, and I don't know if every hospital does this or if every situation is the same, and another 15% for paying uh, early, in other words, as soon as the bill is generated. So it's quite a substantial reduction. But the charge that goes to Medicare is more either twice or more than that, what, what's bill Medicare, because that's the way the billing is set up. The insurance companies have this billing process and, and amounts that are generated. Now, actually, the hospital will negotiate with anybody who's a patient, but you have to do it. And unfortunately, you know, most people don't want to pay self-pay. They'd rather have Medicare pay it. But if Medicare doesn't pay it, you can still go to the hospital and ask for self uh, pay and see if you can negotiate, but it's something that you, the person, has to do themselves. And unfortunately, I know a lot of libertarians, and uh, I've, I've dealt with the Libertarian Party, like Chris said, for a number of years now. And you know, I know that we have some differences in in certain areas because I believe everybody's equal, regardless of class or what you are. And and sometimes there are certain groups that they like to support, which to me is wrong and you should be no group you are a person and a person is a person period but anyway if you go to negotiate and and go to self-pay it's it's something that you yourself has to do and unfortunately most people especially chris's age believe that it's the fault of people my age and older that we're in this mess but it's not <laughs> you the uh... people who are who are now, on Medicare. Let me let me We're just say up. let's let's stop right there because you have okay. le- you have lectured me over my boomer hate and uh, I oh, okay. I and you're more than welcome to call me out and I'd love for you to have your perspective and tell me why I'm wrong in blaming boomers for all of the problems of society. Well, I'm not saying all the problems of society, but you must understand that boomers were limited to the amount of information they received. Uh, when my parents went into Medicare, what they were told was, this is what you get when you retire. This is what the government offers you. And period, that's it. There was no Chris Spangle except for um, <laughs> a few people uh, who had uh, radio broadcasts. But in other words, there was no one to follow up. These boomers were told, this is what you do. And the government didn't give them any information. There was nowhere for them to go. There were no people who stood up for their rights and said, wait a minute, you know, uh, we don't have to pay this. Because when you went to the doctor, then it was $5. Well, once Medicare took over, they were told that's all they had. That's what they could do by their employers and the government. In, in, other, no in other words, yeah, in other words, you had government media in CBS and Walter Cronkite and, exactly. and Dan Rather. Exactly. You're lucky. Right. And then now we've got... Uh, now now we, you've got the Internet. You've got we are how many, I don't know, so. how many hundreds of networks. Right. But, of course, some of them you still have to watch because they're government controlled. 
But the point is, the freedom of the other networks is out there. But in the case of the baby boomers, they didn't have that. And that's why I ask people to be understanding and to say, you know, okay, this is what they were told. And don't remember, back then the representatives actually were in the area where the people lived. They'd come and talk to you, or one of their office staff would come and talk to you when it was time for election, and they would believe that these people were doing what they were supposed to do. Instead, the people were doing what they wanted people to do, and that's another issue with me. You cannot say, this is what the people want, therefore we're going to pass it, just like the beer issue. The people wanting it has nothing to do with it. The right for us to be free to decide and a business free to decide, that's the only issue that should be decided. What you want or don't want is immaterial to what your rights are. Your rights are specific to your life. And to violate the right because somebody wants something else, that's wrong. And the baby boomers simply have to understand there wasn't any communication or massive influx of information that people in that era received where they could make a decision that what's going on with the government is wrong. Some of them today do. Even my dad, when he was with me, I still could not convince him to drop his supplemental coverage, which was $5,000 the last six months of his life, and it didn't pay a thing. Right. He was still convinced that he had to have it because the government told him he had to have it. At 96 years old, he wasn't going to be convinced otherwise. So I had to argue with Medicare because he was refused some things. He died before it was even decided. So, <laughs> no, uh, you know, please reconsider uh, blaming them. Uh, I don't. It's just the way life was. I grew up during that time, and I saw it. I mean, they, they ate with the government and what the representatives gave them. There wasn't anybody to say different. And if you did, well, there was no one to listen, and you were always put on the outs if you did. So, And it's the same way today, just like Sweetwater. I objected to illegal taxes. The people here want that because they want control. So you have the same situation today, except now you have people who are speaking out. Right. So, okay. So, talk about the price difference because I, I really think people need to understand the. This is such an important point, and you hear a lot about this. So, I think it's interesting for people to hear a specific case. Um, you you hear, oh well, a wheelchair. Like my grandfather went to the hospital and stayed in the hospital for uh, three days. And just the room rental, basically, like it was a hundred thousand dollars to stay in the room for a hundred for for three days. I mean, it, it it's essentially thirty three thousand dollars to rent a hotel room for three days. I mean, it's that's well, yeah, a, you could go to the Hilton for that one, couldn't you? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, not even Trump charges that. So, what what was the what are some of the differences? So, once you don't get things covered by Medicare, what are some of the drugs and the services? What are they costing you and what are, what are they charging Medicare? Well, my bill is not set up that way. Uh, the hospital at, at Johnson County bills in a certain way. And what I've got is, let's say, a subsequent hospital inpatient care, typically 35 minutes a day. And that's a doctor uh, who was charged to my uh, case. She charged 35 minutes for one day for services to me. And what she charged the Medicare provider was $234, and what Medicare paid was zero. Mm -hmm. So that's just 35 minutes of her services. Then I have uh, 
and it could be like five or six times a day that she attended me at 35 minutes. So each one of those $234 charges was denied. That adds up over five days of hospitalization, you know, like a wheelchair does for your grandfather and, and the room. And then the um, patient office or other outpatient visit, typically 45 minutes a day. That was $269, and Medicare paid nothing. Again, that could happen two or three times, depending upon the physician and what uh, services or tests they wanted. The uh, tests, all of those were denied, and I don't think they've got those listed separately here. Mostly the um, services were lumped to what uh, the hospital charges in other words, they were probably itemized to Medicare as far as um, the doctor, $234 for 35 minutes. But that doctor then probably uses some of that money to pay for the nurses and their staff. So that charge then filters through the doctor to their staff. I'm not sure how the doctor pays it because there's no nurses or anything like that listed here. It's simply the doctors and the tests and then those amounts must filter through the rest of the um, attendance. Uh, you know, I don't know how the hospital worked it, and by this point, you know, I'm in the hospital receiving transfusions. Uh, I really didn't care how they worked, how they paid their people as long as they got paid. But the amounts are significantly larger, Chris, and it's, right. it's unbelievable. I mean, you can. I bought a wheelchair for Dad because Medicare wouldn't pay for it because they paid for a cane three months earlier. I said, well, you knew he was deteriorating and going to need a wheelchair. Well, then you shouldn't have bought the cane. You should have waited and bought the wheelchair. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We paid $110 for a wheelchair. Just right. the same as the one that you got in the hospital. Now, how much did your grandpa pay for rent it? $33,000 a day. <laughs> well, hey, for, for just I a, can go for... buy him a wheelchair if you want. All right. Well, no, I don't know what his wheelchair I mean, he's... He's uh yeah he's it, it's it's just absurd to me. I mean the you, you when you really dig down into the cost you you say listen I I'm not going to pay you $33,000 a night to stay in a room. What is it actually going to charge me? And they say oh $1,000. Okay. You know, and then so the taxpayers just on this massive scale you think about like how many rooms are full of people getting treatment on any given day and how much why insurance costs so much is that everybody's got it and everybody's using it for everything and everyone is going to the doctor and you know the doctor's charging us $190 a visit instead of you know $30 a visit if we just self-negotiated and that that's a huge part we've got it's like your car insurance doesn't cost as much as your health insurance because you don't take basic maintenance and apply it to your insurance if you did it'd be outrageously expensive and Part of the problem with medical insurance is that we do roll in just basic visits, basic services, and that's why I think a lot of these private uh, solutions where you've got, like, uh, it's big in the Christian community, and uh, essentially you have these clubs where you get together. Yes, I've heard of those. Yeah, where you get together with other people, and you pay for all your services. They hook you up with a doctor who's not involved in the insurance scams, and uh, you basically pay into this monthly. Let's say you send $100 a month into this pool, and it's it's like high-risk insurance. And so if somebody in your case comes along and needs serious treatment, it's used for that. But you get access to low-cost health care and shots and physicals and 
and all of that, and and you pay out of pocket as opposed to trying to take it out of the pool of money. And right. that's why it's starting to catch on. And those were highly punished in the Affordable Care Act. And Rand Paul has actually been working with Donald Trump to try and fix that and get that those punishments removed. And there should be no fixing. Them. I mean, it's a simple negotiation between people who want to do something for themselves. I mean, it, it, why would the government be involved at all? Exactly right. It's it, why, why are you involved? <laughs> I'm a neighbor. I want to help you, and you're a neighbor. You want to help me. Why do I need permission from the federal government? You don't. Because they want their cut. They're they're the mob. Oh. It's it's the mob. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pay you in order to let me do this. Wrong. Right. No. I have the right. Wrong. To do not, it. not right. <laughs> I have the right to and, do it. Anyway, you can find physicians who will do that. I'm lucky enough to have uh, both a primary cardiologist physician who does give me a break on their charges. They charge a certain amount. You can go in and say, I'm self-pay. Ask, tell everyone, ask your physician if they do this. Now, mine are older. That may be part of why they do not like this new insurance and why. It takes them more time to fill out the paperwork than it does to see the patients. And they've been honest with me. And I think most physicians would be. It's ridiculous. Then they've got to have all these qualifications and all these people file all this stuff. Mine cut through that. If you go in and you tell them, hey, I'm not taking Medicare, I'm not taking insurance, I'm self-pay, the cost to me is half what they bill Medicare on both my physicians. So ask. Yours may do the same thing. Right. It may be available and you may not know it. And that saves you money right there. Well, I think what I've learned from you in so many ways is like, Tenacity. I think tenacity is uh, your husband and I, I talked when he dropped by a few weeks ago, and 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 it's funny because he's just like, yeah, you know, she's he's so mild mannered and so sweet, and uh, he's well, just, I kind of he's <laughs> he you you were like, I want to do this interview, but I've got to kick Mike out of the house, so I'm going to give him some chores, and then he can go do the chores, and then uh, you know, I've got I'm working on him, I'm working on him, and uh, and you know, like I call you, and I just you know, I work and I'm working on you, get you get you straight too, and. Uh, and you have that same attitude towards the government. Like, no, you get you work for me, and I'm going to call you, and I'm going to be tenacious, and I'm going to fight you, and you're going to do what I say because you're my boss. Uh, I'm your boss, and uh, this is what the Constitution says, and this is your boss, and this is what you're going to do. And you don't always win, but you're very— Well, I don't usually win, but I keep yeah, it up. But you are, you are tenacious and, and, and going after the government and demanding that you get what was promised to you by not only the founders, but also what's written in the laws in which they're deciding your fate. And I think that if every person did what you did, which is, I'm involved in this situation, what did the laws say? Are you following the laws that you've written as the government? Okay, you're usually not. So here's what the law says. Here's what the Constitution says. Here's what I'm promised. Here's what are my rights. And here's what you're going to do. And if we had a culture of that, then I think it would just be it would be a much better culture. And I would extend that to just human relationships. Like I'm I'm demand I I have the right to be treated these certain sets of ways. And I am going to demand that people treat me these certain sets of ways in my life. And uh, you can per- you can participate in my life according to these rules that I have set that I think are best for me or you cannot. And, you know, you it, 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 we don't do enough boundary setting 
as a culture in both interpersonal relationships and also in, in dealing with the government. And I think that if we were all less passive and more tenacious, uh, it, it, we'd have a better society because people, we, we have to exercise our freedom of petitioning the government. We have to exercise our freedom of information and understanding what is going on in the world. And we also have to exercise our freedom of association and just say, I don't want to associate with this sort of behavior or this law or that and just start being tenacious and defending our our right to to life, liberty and property. I mean, and you've you've been a great influence in that and saying, here's what the law says. Here's what the Constitution says. Here's what I want. I'm deserving of it. And you, the government, are not going to deny it. And even if it comes at a personal cost, I will fight you on it and I will be so annoying that maybe I will get something changed, and that is a great lesson that I'm happy that we can we can share you with the audience because you've been such a great behind-the-scenes person. We call this the Klozinski Studios for a reason, and this, <laughs> this is why. Well, that's not necessary. You deserve everything that you've done, and, and you are the driving force. You always have been. I recognized that years ago uh, when you were with the LP and, and basically – under thumb at that point in time that <laughs> right. there was a racehorse wanting to get loose and now that you're loose have at it yep well i thank you for your encouragement and uh is there anything else as we wrap this up that you that you'd like to say to people i think we've pretty much covered anything and everything <laughs> uh don't forget uh a lot of the laws that are being discussed now in the headlines of the indianapolis star which uh, some of you probably read, and I don't know how far your uh, podcast reaches. I'm sure it's way out of the state. But in Indiana, at any rate, a lot of the laws that were passed are being discussed on the uh, in the uh, Indianapolis paper, and I'm sure Chris gets that. And uh, actually, a lot I, of the things that they are uh, talking about. Phyllis, I actually canceled it yesterday. I <laughs> uh, now, you have to read what your opponents are doing. How many times have I told you that? I, um... I, uh... <laughs> if, if I want news about Indiana politics, the, the Indianapolis Star is just not the place to get it, to be honest. It's, yeah, you, you, but they give me the dirty stuff that I can go dig up and yeah, find out. Yeah, you go to Howie or you go to Abdul, so... Uh, okay. I can't get Abdul. For some reason, my computer doesn't want to tie into him. It keeps kicking back when I try and tie into him. Interesting. But at any rate, I always watch what the opponents are doing. You know that. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way to go. Uh, many of the laws and bills that they're talking about now, I warned exactly what would happen in the writings that I posted. Uh, WAL has some of them. Uh, LP Indiana has most of them. And I encourage people to read it because the bills are important to understand what the legislature is passing. And when they decide that they're going to give you the right to use, say, the cannabis for medical treatment, number one, it's not their right to do that in the first place, which is obvious. But second, the bill that they wrote gave them total control anyway, including down to reporting you to the local sheriff so he could watch you, which were all kinds of other conditions in there, which you didn't want anyway if you wanted this. So what's going on, you need to read the bills. If you're not going to read something that I write or the LP writes, because I know we don't have that large of an audience, we need to expand somehow. If someone has some idea, just share everywhere. I mean, even if you don't agree with us, share and say why you don't agree. 
But the information needs to get out there. People need to understand what is in these bills. That was a fraud. You weren't getting anything. You were giving up your life. They could report you to the sheriff. Then there were all kinds of conditions. The sheriff could shut you down, which they did according to the paper that Chris no longer subscribes to. So all of this is coming through. Now you can't hunt with rifles, which is in the amendment, which was illegal in the first place, which wasn't an amendment. So we need information out there somehow. Uh, WAL is, is doing its part. I wish that it could get more substantial information in like 30 minutes or less that we could share. But the idea is Chris does reach people, and we need to push however we can even if we don't totally agree, so that people have the idea and the ability to communicate and debate. Well, that's just that's a huge part. I think if you are a fan of independent media, um, you have to share. And I, and I would say, you know, anybody who's listened to the last couple episodes knows that this is a time when I really need our community to share our stuff and just say, hey, check these guys out, because an important moment for us and you know i am working on uh getting a new camera so then i can i I can do higher quality videos and and start uh segmenting out our segments to make it easier more shareable and taking some of that time so so i'm working on it uh it's a one-man band and i do it all by myself and you know that's what the patreon subscription money is for it's to help me buy things like cameras so I can then take that and make our the our information more shareable. I'm posting more content on the uh the, the Facebook page that is less shit posting and more uh libertarian content. I'm I'm really I'm really as as a as a business focusing in on the news and commentary analysis of it and you know, we're not going to lose the personality. That's just who I am as a person. Uh-huh, that you can't lose that. No, you can't. You are who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you know, we're going to start adding some headlines and some more information to the podcast because I've seen the numbers and I've seen the feedback and I read your emails and I listen to the audience because to me, this audience is uh, a living, breathing person that I interact with. And uh, I do this because I want to give you what you want. And what what I've really heard from our audience over the last, you know, several months is that you want us to make you sound smarter with your friends and uh, help you understand what's going on in the news from a non nonpartisan perspective. And I say nonpartisan because libertarianism, when we look at the news and apply our principles, feels centrist and it's not in the uh, echo chamber of the left or right. And I don't generally use the language of either of those. And Trust me, if I if I wanted to make if I wanted to grow way faster, I could be Tommy Lauren. I could be uh, we could have black and yellow all in this studio, and I could just preach anarcho capitalism. I could, you know, pretend to be the Young Turks or whatever. I would be much more successful, much more quickly, if I didn't try to use my brain and uh, and explain complexity, and instead just chose simple catchphrases. And I think that's what what people have said to me is we like the complexity. We want it. Uh, we want more. We want you to explain more, and that's that's a tougher thing. And so, uh, I'm really excited for the future because we're going to really start to drill down on on the news, get get a little deeper, and get a little uh, not even deeper, just a little more in terms of analyzing more stories. I guess is the way to put it. Um, well, you remind me of, and I think that he is a good example for you to look at. Is a young Paul Harvey. He did the same thing. <laughs> 
that's basically where you where you take your uh, personality from. He he did the same thing that you're doing. That was the only thing that these people had back then. Uh, I listened to him when I was five and six years old. He made sense to me back then. So. <laughs> and now page two. And he still had personality, and he still had the. A fluff in his his uh, broadcast, and he still made it on the national radio, even despite the government. Yeah, I so that's where I'm headed, and and your donations. The more of you that can we can crowdsource income, the more time I can devote to this, and eventually do this full time. And that's the goal is I can do more and more and more. If if like if I didn't have a full time job, man, we'd be cranking out so much. Uh, but. I do, and so I do this in my spare time, and I spend. I, this is my second job. I treat it 20, 25 hours a week, um, and uh, a significant portion of our show prep <laughs> is is no longer a part of this. And so I'm asking everybody to uh, help me crowdsource some of the content by using the hashtag WAL News and sending me articles at editor at wearelibertarians.com, sending articles to the to the Facebook group that you can join at, at wearelibertarians.com and send me private messages, tweet at me, tweet at We Are Libertarians, and uh, help crowdsource. Because part of the great thing about the Discord chat, the Facebook group, the hashtag WAL news, is that you don't you want to hear our opinion on this show, but at the same time, it's about building a community that of like-minded people that can discuss the news outside of the show. I mean, if you if you all get engaged on a hashtag or in the Discord chat or in the Facebook group and you're posting content and articles and other people are discussing it, you're interacting with them and we're building knowledge by having a discussion and that's really what we try to do here. So I, I really am asking our community to um, invest in us and engage in, in what we're doing at this time because... Uh, it, it, it's really important and this is an important moment and, uh, I'm more, more engaged and more excited about the future of this than ever before. And we're my, my other co-hosts, the subscribers, we haven't lost a subscriber. We added one, uh, because of what's gone on and, um, it, it's, excuse me, uh, it is just imperative that if you want to, have a different fresh perspective out there that you've got to engage with it and you've got to get uh, supportive of it and you've got to share their content. You've got to share our content and you've got to say, you guys have to listen to these people. And if you don't do that, it, it, it stagnates. And, and fortunately, you know, we've grown about a thousand a month since the election because people are so hungry. I figured out, I've kind of like really been hunting the last month to figure out what is the cause of the growth. For we are libertarians in the podcast numbers. How are we getting a thousand a month in new and po- new podcast subscribers? And I'll tell you, first off, it's good content, and and we're giving people what they want, and they're not leaving; they're sticking with us. Uh, you know, there's going to be a mediocre show here and there, but every show we try to do better. Uh, and but what it is is people are going to iTunes and typing in libertarian. And they are finding us, and they're finding other podcasts, and they're hungry for information. They're starving. Your fra- your Facebook friends that you went to high school with, your coworkers, they are starving for political information that isn't Fox News or MSNBC or 
left or right or traditional news. They're starving for something with a personality and with substance. And that's what I think we offer. And don't be afraid to talk politics on your Facebook because talk politics in a way that is inviting to people. And I think that's what we do here because your friends are starving and they're that that's what the, the groundswell behind the scenes is, is. And I, and I saw this in 2008 when I was at the Libertarian Party of Indiana, the busiest day I ever had at the party was the day after the 2008 election when people called and said, I gave McCain a chance. That was my last chance for the Republicans. I want to join the Libertarian Party. How do I do it? Had the same thing happen in 2012. I'm tired of milk toast Mitt Romney's. 2016, I think for us, it was like, this is the best that these two can do. What else is out there? And, uh, you know, we're not Libertarian Party people per se. We're an independent media outlet, but we, we are party agnostic. So I, I just I think this is an important moment in history for everybody because they're searching for reasons to understand our times and what is going on. And so are we. And we want you to be a part of the discussion. So and Phyllis has been a huge encourager over the last eight ish years and uh, and helping me keep this going. So I appreciate you being there for me and, and encouraging me and writing for WeAreLibertarians.com. And you can also find Phyllis at Libertarian, the Libertarian Party of Indiana page at LPIN.org. So, Phyllis, thank you for being with me. Okay, and I'd like to invite your listeners. Uh, they can uh, tag into my Facebook page. It's just a personal Facebook page, but that's where I discuss everything. And if you make a comment that I don't like, just be prepared. I don't fight with you. I simply ignore you and go on. Uh, I've learned a long time ago there's no point in arguing with a turtle. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will link. Uh, I will link uh, Phyllis's. I will put Phyllis's uh, Facebook profile into the uh, description of this podcast so people can get. So, action. if anybody you know wants to, to get on my Facebook page and, and help me try and spread this information throughout Indiana, I am with a another uh, group called Indiana Legislative Watch, which reviews the bills, but that's a closed group, and we review the bills, and seldom the information gets out, which is why I post it on my own page, and I post it through the uh, Indiana Libertarian, and I send it over to WAL, but, you know, WAL is mostly podcasts, and and trying to get something published there, since Chris is a one and only guy. I'm slow. It's I'm sorry. It's kind of difficult, which I understand. If I had if I had a website editor, it'd be a lot easier. But yeah, I, I get about. Yeah, one. hey guys, anybody want to be a website editor? <laughs> sign up. Yeah, so I would do it, but I don't know anything about electronics. Chris can tell you. We're on the phone now because I don't know how to do the other stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was like, "Do you have Skype?" And she's like, "Uh, is that like dealing with the Skype?" It's or? on here, but I don't pushing any buttons because I know how to operate. Nah, you sound good. All right, thanks, Phyllis. I appreciate you being a part of of this, and I appreciate all your encouragement and uh thank you for, and i hope people will engage with you and you're very smart and ask her questions she's a when it comes to constitutional law phyllis is a hidden gem in the libertarian movement so thank you uh, i don't know about that all i do is, is look it up if anybody could do it yes all right thank you for joining us here on this episode of we are libertarians and we hope that you will engage in the world and until then be good to you <laughs> Uh, let me let me see if I can come up with a different phrase. Uh, let me see, because we can't really do the old catchphrase, Phyllis. Uh, it, it, we still want to do better next time, but it just doesn't feel right anymore. So uh, until next until next episode, be good to each other. There you go. But yourself first. All right, Phyllis. Thanks so much for joining me. Okay.
All right. Uh, well, I'm sure we will talk soon. Okay. Join in on the conversation. Visit the sidebar at wearelibertarians.com and join our Facebook group, meet other listeners, and get our daily news dump. The Boss Hog Liberty Podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians Network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Oh, f- the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week, we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.